Hello there, howdy, and hey, y'all. It is Ginger Minge with another, a number. Oh, my goodness. I am already, my dentures are slipping so early in the program today. I am here with another exciting edition of Local Queen, this time with one of my favorite people in the entire world. Somebody that is not only my sister from another mister, but one of my personal hometown sheroes, because we are actually both from Lake County. That's right. There are more than one cross-dresser that made their way out of Lake County, Florida, and I am here with the one and only. April Fresh! The crowd goes wild. Hello, Ginger. How are you? I am fantastic. See, they gave me these buttons that I can play with that has like a little bit of music here and there. Let's see. That's the intro outro music. Here, like This it. says dramatic piano. Oh. Ooh. So if we get into any kind of uh, dramatic story, just give me a warning so I can give us the proper music. Perfect. And then... I've also got, this is drums. Oh. Oh. That's, oh. Uh. Oh. Oh. Do I click it again? How does it stop? Okay. (laughs) I mean, clearly we're going to need that feature. (laughs) We're going to need it over and over and over again. So I'm glad it's looped together. Uh, (laughs) And we're probably going to need that and the dramatic piano music when we talk about Lake County. I mean, it is Lake County. More on that later. (laughs) More on that later. So for all of our listeners out there who may not be acquainted with the infamous April Fresh, can you give us like the Reader's Digest version of who she is and where she comes from? Yes. Her boy name is Locke Robertson. Um, She is from the same town that you are from. Uh, Again, more on that later. Um, And... Let's see, she, April Fresh, has been doing drag, um, well, she started in 94 and was terrible, so she's deleted that portion of her life. So April was born in 1999, so this is going on to her 23rd year. Um, And other things you need to know, I love 80s, I love Broadway, I'm really uh, basically known as a comedy queen. In fact, I started, originated, and run the National Miss Comedy Queen pageant, which, of course, you, Ginger, are a former of. Um, And now I'm just kind of a girl about town who does bingo here and trivia there and this and that and lots of drag. (laughs) I love the way that you make it sound so, like, off the cuff, like, oh, I just go around and do a couple gigs here and there. No, you are literally somewhere else every single day of the week. And you've been that way since I met you. When I started doing drag. So Uh, you and I, we are both from Lake County, Florida, but we did not meet there. Correct. We met after I stumbled into drag and moved myself over to the big city of Orlando, Florida, because you were working as a bartender at the world famous Parliament House Resort and Taco Palace for how many years? Uh, 25. I would have started my 25th year had they not closed, but, um. Closed, you know, then been bulldozed. Exactly. Um, and, but, you know, there are new things on the horizon for Parliament House, so I wouldn't be surprised if I was back there bartending at some point once the new location arises. So I just saw that they actually made their announcement of their very first event, which is coming up, I think, in April. They're doing um, the National Bearded Empress Pageant. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's April 3rd and 4th. Um, and... I'm slightly 
questioning whether the entire Parliament House will be open by then. <laughs> the good thing is the theater is already up and running. Um, so yes. I feel like even if it wasn't completely ready yet, they could at least get through it for the theater portion. Well, and I feel like that's just kind of a, a given in any situation. If there's a theater, you can usually get through it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So when did you start working at the Parliament House? I mean, I know, well, 26 years ago, I guess, at this point. I started in um, 1997. Mm -hmm. I started as a cocktail waiter in the show, and then a couple days I worked at the front door. Um, But in those days, this was actually prior to Don and Susan taking over. Mm -hmm. Um, And in those days, when one bartender left or got fired... um, (laughs) It would just bump up one of the waiters. And I had previously bartended at um, other little tiny bars. So I basically got the um, the guy that got let go. Uh, thank you, Zach. Uh, <laughs> Wherever uh, you are. His shifts, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, does Zach still exist in the realm of Orlando gay community? Um, he does not. I don't think he's in Orlando anymore, but he's still on my Facebook. So all is well. He moved on to bigger and better things. <laughs> well, good for him. You go, Glenn Coco. So um, this was before April was born. Correct. This is after. And, and who was your original drag character? Well, uh Okay, I don't like to bring her up very often, but her name was Alana. Her name was Alana Vaughn. Alana, oh, I'm giving so much information. Alana, Spill the tea. The, um, the percussionist from the Thompson Twins, who was one of my favorite bands. And Vaughn was the last name of Kelly Ripa's character on All My Children. She was Haley Vaughn. So I'm like, ooh, look how dramatic I'm going to be. And I'm showing a... Uh, 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 tipping my hat to some of my favorite celebrities. However, when I started drag, as we all know, we don't, but how we usually start is not the way we end up. Well, and particularly before like drag race and YouTube were really tools that we could use to kind of learn about drag. We kind of had to learn on the fly in the dressing rooms, watching other people. And fun thing about Alana. So she, um, had long hair at the time. Um, pay no attention to how high this forehead is, even though I've been <laughs> completely bald for many years. Um, but I thought, since I have long hair, I am one step above all these other new girls because I don't even need wigs like they do. <laughs> uh, now, granted, I would like to point out my hair was very thin and brittle and straw-like because it had been processed and bleached and dyed and damaged. But still, it was long. So in my eyes, it was luxurious. <laughs> um, so I would just go out and enter the talent show um, and have my, my gothic roommate. She would paint me up a little bit. And uh, that's when the uh, expression cover girl does not cover boy. And that is a true statement. It is a very true statement and one that is oft repeated on this podcast. Absolutely. And I um, just realized that okay, as much as, as fun as I'm having, this is probably not for me. So I shelved her for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I, um, what actually started April was I, so I, I want, previously I had thought I was going to be so serious. Um, however, I started Parliament House and we had a turnabout coming up. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tiffany McRae, used to, who was a beautiful trans woman, 
and she would come out and do Money Can't Buy It by Annie Lennox, and she would just have dollar bills taped over her good stuff. And she would come out in the cape and throw it off, and it was exciting. And the whole crowd would go, ah! Absolutely. I so remember I was one of them. Exactly. Same. same. And so <laughs> then I thought for Turnabout, okay, I have a terrible body. Can we start for just one second? I, for those of you who don't know what a Turnabout uh, is, mm-hmm. it's... Um, when uh, the queens of said establishment take the bartenders and the door boys and all those people and they put them into drag and make right. them do a show to entertain and often raise money for charity. Exactly. And that's exactly what it was. And I'm like, okay, I could bring out my old self or let's just try something different because all these people already know me and like me. So let's just do a tribute to Tiffany McRae. And I took my terrible big pot belly body and skinny <laughs> little bird legs. And I did exactly what she did. And I just put the do- glued the dollars to my body and the crowd really loved it. And so then I thought, you know what? Oh, see, the drums came in perfect. And then I realized, you know what? Comedy is going to be my forte. And that's basically how April happened. And, and it, it is funny because it does take a long time when you're first starting out to really kind of find your groove and figure out what makes you unique, what's going to yeah. make people want to connect to you and come back and watch you time and time and time again. And I thought that the key to success was you have to emulate every single person that you've ever found entertaining on stage and find a number that works and do it over and over and over again. That is the complete opposite of what you really should do. I mean, what you really should do is make those relationships with the people that are coming to see you, figure out what they like about you, what they would get from you, what you have to offer, and then trying to hone in on that. And then don't be afraid to try any and every number, because if you have a good support system, like you were saying at Parliament House, you did, they're going to tell you what works and what doesn't. And then you get to try all sorts of different things. And it's, that's 100% correct. And I also think that when you, you should try a little of every single type of thing Mm -hmm. and you're going to realize, boy, I am not a dancer. I should (laughs) not try a high kick. So instead I want to do a dance number. So let me do a comedy routine and make it like I'm a dancer, even though I'm not, as you have seen me do many times over For those of you who uh, have not seen it yet, I'm sure that there is a YouTube clip somewhere of my favorite April Fresh number. It's everybody's favorite April Fresh number. She's done it for years. And it's one of those things that once you get a signature, people get mad when you don't do it. I get mad when I go to an April Fresh show and I don't see her do uh, Let Me Dance For You from a chorus line. (laughs) Full chorus line gig, big curly Miss Piggy wig, headband, and full dance routine. The only catch is I am a terrible, terrible dancer, but I I perform the number as if I'm the best dancer in the world. And that's what people enjoy about it. Absolutely. So um, going back to you, you first started dabbling with April. Was that the name that you chose to use on the turnabout? Yes, because after um, my former Alana Vaughn, I realized nobody could pronounce it correctly. Nobody could spell it correctly. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm reinventing myself. So let's do something cute and fun that nobody can mispronounce or misspell that has a little comedic twist. And at the time there were no other Aprils in the city. So I'm like, this is perfect. It took a Mm -hmm. while 
you know, and I went through several, several names thinking about what it's going to be, but I'm glad I landed on that one. Well, I think it's so perfect. And I think it is also a really good name for you. It just kind of fits your whole persona because it's something that you immediately connect with. Everybody's heard of April Fresh. Uh, And it is lovely and refreshing and light, just like you are. Well, thank you. You are seriously one of the few people that I've met in the world. I always call you the Dolly Parton of Orlando because you don't meet a single person who has a negative thing to say about you. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple out there, but I... Never met them, and I've met a lot of people. <laughs> yes, and I do. And I've always wondered, I I know I... I Well, I'm, it's hard for me to talk about myself like that, but... Hold on, let me I, give I, you the I, music. Oh, Steve. But I do, I have realized that people do like me, and they like my personality, and I think that is part of the reason that I'm so successful in drag, because... You know, a lot of times personality and just being a good, nice person is what gets you through life and no matter what the job is. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen you really kind of lose your cool maybe once or twice. And I've known you 15, 16 years at this point. Exactly. exactly. I'll never forget the very first time I saw, I didn't even see you in person. I saw in the Watermark newspaper, there was this two page spread of a makeup tutorial from <laughs> April Fresh. And that's where I learned how to pack on all of the extra translucent powder under here to catch the fallout. I remember very specifically, just like I was sitting at Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Shows in the little wig room. And yeah. um, Sandy had come in with like a whole bunch of watermarks because she always got like all the local papers and put them up front. And I'm just sitting there trying to to figure out what my face was, trying to figure out what drag makeup right. was because I had just started and it wasn't as pretty. I mean, it's still not perfect, but, <laughs> but it definitely was um, a learning process. And I took so much from that tutorial that really that. did help me. Um, and then after knowing your name, seeing that in the paper and feeling like some kind of connection to you, I ventured over to the Parliament House and struck up a conversation with you at the bar when you were bartending. Um, do you remember the very first time you ever saw me? I remember, I believe it was Addison that, like, you had come up to the bar, and I remember talking to you, and then I remember Addison saying, oh, that's Ginger, she works at Sleuths, because she <laughs> must have already known you prior. Um, well, because when I was starting out, there really weren't any... Uh, successful plus size girls in Orlando. Right. Except for Roseanne and for Addison. Exactly. Because even like the plus size girls now, like uh, Sierra Fox, I mean, God rest her soul. um, She wasn't that big at that point. Right. And most of the plus size girls were not that big at that point. (laughs) (laughs) So Addison and I hit it off because I, I obviously idolized her. I was very um, excited that she had made so much progress in a town that seemed very close minded when it came to different types of drag at that point. For sure. Um, So we clicked there and I remember the two of you being very close friends. And now the two of you are like your best friends. You run this pageant together yeah. You are the Trixie and Katya of Orlando. <laughs> there you go. That sounds good. And and she barely does drag anymore, but still, she is still Addison. You know what I mean? She, exactly. I 
don't dare call her by her boy name. <laughs> no. Well, and, and that's the, th- like, I, I always cringe a little bit when people call me Josh because it's just been so long since I've been Josh. Exactly. And the people who know me and really care about me are in my circle. They don't know me as Josh. Exactly. So it's, it's almost a bit of a dead name for me. I, I don't respond to it because I'm not used to being called that. Right. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It's a little bit weird. I mean, I think the thing with you that makes it a little bit different is you are outside of drag, a very successful photographer as well. So it's Locke Robertson photography. So I know you as Locke and April professionally. Now that can be a a kiss of death too, though, because so many times I, and I don't think anyone means this maliciously, but you, the first name you hear some from someone, that's usually what you call them. So, yeah. so many times when I'm in drag, they'll be like, so here, so next up is Locke. Oh, I mean, April. Or, <laughs> and that, uh, it kind of grates under my skin just a little bit. Does it really bother me in the big picture? No, but still, I feel like when I'm in drag, please call me my girl name. Now, that being said, out of drag, you can call me April all day long and it doesn't bother me at all. Now, so what are your pronouns? How do you um, identify on this new spectrum of like, like I, I identify as non-binary gotcha. uh, and it took me a very long time to figure that out. <laughs> right. Isn't it interesting because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a couple years older than you, but still when we were growing up, you were gay or you were straight, or if you were really out there, you were bisexual. Exactly. And nobody believed you when you were bisexual. Exactly. Which I also think is something that we still struggle with. I know I still struggle with the fact that, you know, those were the things that were instilled in me in Lake County, Florida growing up. So I think it took me 10 times as long to figure out where I, I fell on the spectrum of, of, of gender identity Because in my head, I'm still hearing everybody go, nope, you're a boy or you're a girl. You can't be this and you can't be that. And there's nothing in the middle. Exactly. And I understand um, older people that have been, had all that instilled in them. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult for them to try and figure it out. But still, it's a very different world we're living in these days. It is. And I mean, of of course, like times, times are hard. Things are crazy. But I also feel like uh, the silver lining to it all is that as noisy as the world is right now, we are making actual change. And I think it's actually helping me to change myself as well. Like I'm, I'm opening my mind to learning about all of these other things that I feel like have always been a big part of me, but I was never really allowed to explore that. Exactly. It's, it's plus just on television and social media, it's so much more available and um, out there. So I feel mm-hmm. like that can only ultimately be a good thing. It's so weird getting messages from like people around the world including Leesburg and Tavares and Newman to all these Lake County towns. I get messages from them all the time that are like, you're my hero. I look up to you. I didn't know that I could make it out. I didn't know I could be successful. And it was like, it's, it's so jarring because I never assumed I would be anybody's like beacon of hope. (laughs) Just knowing how fucked up I've always been myself. Right. I never realized I could be something better than that for other people. And it's um, it's very, it's a, a big responsibility that I'm very grateful to have. But sometimes I'm still like, 
whoa, that's a lot to unpack. A very similar journey in that, you know, what, whatever form this may take, we always try and achieve some form of greatness or fame or finances or whatever. But it doesn't always come the way we think it's going to. No. And then when it appears somehow and you look back, you're like, oh, I've kind of had this all along. But also, like the story you just told me, I had no idea that my little watermark um, tutorial taught you how to do that. And that was how many years ago? And so that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like something I have just this tiny little silly article still put some, instilled something in your head. I'm well, like, that was the thing. It wasn't yeah. even silly to me. I know that um, we actually talked about that article not long after we met and you were yeah. like, oh, I was just having fun with it. I was just being exactly. silly. I was being stupid. And I was like, maybe, but it still really taught me a lot of the basic skills that I yeah. wouldn't have learned anywhere else because it wasn't a time where I could go on YouTube or on my phone right. and go, right. uh, how do I do this? Yes, very, very and, I wasn't working in the nightclubs at that point because I was working in theater. I got into drag through theater. So I was having to teach myself everything. Exactly. Especially once um, my drag mother, Rusty Fawcett, got let go from sleuths because they were downsizing. There was a whole bunch of things that went into it. And, oh, girl, she was hiding boxes of wine under wig boxes. Had a girl, Rusty. <laughs> I can say it now. It's been like 15 years. But... um I remember having to take over as like the drag queen and it was very daunting because I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I was learning as I went from her and now she's gone. So I was very thankful to have people like Chantel Roche, who used to come over and and teach me like some basics, having that watermark tutorial from you. You know, we should reach out to the watermark and get them to dig that up and reprint it. That would be awesome. I would love it. We're going to do it. I'm going to do that because it, I think it would actually help a lot of these new girls. And, and it was Kirk that did it. Kirk Hartledge. He did the. Oh, article. really? Because he just said, because he me- messaged me and he's like, hey, can you do a little tutorial or something? So, and we can do it. And I don't think he's even with the watermark anymore, but still. Um, he only I freelances with them now and again at this point. Exactly. But, oh, my God. So you're telling me I owe most of my, uh, my makeup skills. Kirk. <laughs> Kirk Harlan, DJ Captain Kirk. That's the one. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to sidetrack for just a second here. I love this man. I love Kirk. We all do. He, <laughs> he makes me laugh so hard when he's DJing a show because sometimes I wonder if he has any kind of emotional sensor. Mm-hmm. Somebody will come up, you're talking to somebody like, well, what are you celebrating today? Oh, um, my grandmother passed away and uh, we wanted to honor her memory before her funeral. And he'll start playing (laughs) Celebration. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't love a good Cool in the Gang cover? (laughs) My cat has feline AIDS. Bow, 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 bow. (laughs) Let's celebrate. (laughs) It is so inappropriate. And I think that, you know, that's kind of his calling card. It's his shtick. And that's why people have uh, really kind of gravitated towards him. That's So kids, basically what we're saying is, even if sometimes it's a little appropriate or not necessarily what other people would do, if it's true to you and people connect with it, run with it. Do it. Exactly. Just do it. All right. So now let's um, transition a little bit into... Real quick, you asked, how do I identify? And (gasps) I would say, 
I'm still old school, and in my head, I am a gay man who enjoys the company of another man. So I still feel like a gay man, and the drag in me feels like I'm an actor, and this is putting on Mm -hmm. a character, which, don't get me wrong, I still like to be pretty and have men buy me drinks and tell me that I look nice. However, (laughs) I uh, definitely would identify as gay. And when you're in drag, because this has kind of been a bone of contention for a lot of queens and and people outside of the community for years and years, you have said that you want to be called April, you want to be called she, her, mm-hmm. while you are in drag. Yes. And is there a reason for that? Um, I feel like because it would be like um, you are in a play. Let's say you're Mrs. Lovett, like you did so fantastically thank you so much Uh, it would be funny for somebody in the cast to on stage to be calling you josh you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that's it's just like i am presenting this way at the moment so don't bring me onto the stage as lock (laughs) yeah you know it's just that's all it is to me my mom and i had a conversation about this um maybe like a year and a half ago towards the beginning of quarantine Mm-hmm. Because to me, like, all the girls are my girlfriends. I call you all she, her. 100%. I believe it's a general rule, a good general rule of thumb that if somebody is presenting as female, yeah. that you respect them by calling them she. Um, but I I was talking to my mother about Gidget and the things that we were doing. And my mom was like, well, you keep calling her she. And this wasn't her being weird or judgmental it was her honestly trying to understand because she was like i just want to know is gidget uh a transgendered female or is gidget a gay man drag queen because i'm trying to figure out why you continuously call her she and i don't want to make the mistake of not doing that so it was very interesting for a good old Southern girl from Lake County, Florida. It was a very progressive conversation to have. It's and actually very sweet of her. Very so, sweet. Yeah. And I told her, I was like, I call her she because my relationship with Gidget is as my drag sister. It's as Gidget galore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to me, even though outside of drag, Gidget is rich well, she ain't rich, but that's her name. Rich. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he lives his life as a gay man. Yeah. That's not what my reference point is. And that's not what our relationship is. So I, I always call her she. Same. I would never, it's it would be weird for me to call Gidget a he or Addison a he, even though sure they are, but it's not, it's just, I feel like that's um, kind of a way, the way we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's respectful in, in, the, in its intent anyway. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting when my husband and I first got together because he didn't know anything about the drag world. When I told him uh, I was on Drag Race, he thought I was doing some show about, like, cars, about racing right. cars. And I was like, and, I mean, you've met him. He is, he yeah. is as masculine as they come as far as, like, a gay man would be. Yeah. Um, and he really struggled when we were all in like uh, a group setting mm-hmm. to know, uh, do I call you Josh and he, or do I call you ginger and she? And I said, look, if I'm with the girls, we're the girls. Yeah. And you probably run less of a risk of offending somebody. 
if you just call them she or by their drag name, because that's how you know them. And in our world, it is, it's not offensive to anyone. Now, no. that being said, the newer generation, it might be offensive. And that actually might be something we need to think about and mm-hmm. consider going forward. Um, yeah. It's interesting, if you go get a corporate job now, they will ask you, and what are your pronouns? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That wasn't even an option for us so many years ago. and it's- No, it wasn't an option for us five years ago. Exactly. It's really been about two years, I think, it mm-hmm. seems like. Um, so it's just, uh, it's a diff- it's definitely a different world. And I, I'm curious as to how we're all going to have to adjust, not even the people outside of the community, but including the people in it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, yes, I believe me. I've been in these dressing rooms all over the world. And it's always like the first couple of moments, you're trying to feel it out to yeah. figure out, you know, who is who who wants to be referred to as whom and all of those things. Um, it, 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 it's a learning curve, but I think that it's also really good because it's making us take responsibility. It's making us become more aware exactly. of the people we're around. And I do think intent goes a long way. Oh yeah. So if you know, if some, if you and I said something that could be taken as offensive, maybe they might not take it as offensive coming from us where someone else, they would. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different scenarios of things like that. Well, I think that a good, like, analogy for that is this whole, or example, mm-hmm. is um, the, the, the culture online of these drag or drag race fans, mostly the drag race fans, mm-hmm. who see the girls who are friends and sisters, even when they're fighting, you know, they have a special bond and a relationship. They're reading each other. They're throwing shade. They're doing all these things that the girls do to each other because that's part of our bonding experience. And they take that as, oh, I can do that too. So they go online and first of all, they haven't learned how to read. Right. <laughs> they don't know how to finesse it to make it funny. Yes. And it just becomes like, you ugly ass fucking troll. I wish you would shut up and die. Right. But then you call them out and say, you can't say that. Well, you do it to each other. Well, yes, but we have that personal connection. And I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And for a while after season seven, that really bothered me. I'm not going to lie because you know me. I have a very open heart. I'm very much about like who I am is who I am. And I want to connect with you. That's why I do drag. My favorite part of my job now is traveling around and doing meet and greets and meeting people and hearing stories. Mm-hmm. So it really did impact me negatively to do have you people that do that. more than the actual performance. I do. That's awesome. I really do. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of the other girls get mad at me when we're doing group tours and gigs and stuff because they want to take a picture, kick the person out and then bring the next one in so they can get through meet and greet in 25 minutes. But if exactly. it's my meet and greet, I don't care if it's 12 people or 1200 people. I will stay there (laughs) until the last person has had a couple minutes of my time to talk, have a conversation, um, tell your story. Only helps your fan base. It only helps um, your career, really. And so that's been a a good learning tool because I know of the, we'll call them famous people that I have met. And people say this all the time. You don't remember the exact conversation you had with them, but they remember how they, that person made you feel. And if mm-hmm. you uh, have all those meet and greet people, 
leave with a feeling of, oh, I like Ginger, then you've got a fan for life. Yeah. Buy your merch. They're going to come see your shows. It's, It's such a wonderful feeling. It is. And I think that, you know, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons that my career, knock on wood, has not really slacked off while, you know, a lot of the girls, they have a a big boom and they kind of dip in and out. I've been pretty steady because I don't know. I just like to treat people well. I treat the promoters well. I'm very grateful and thankful to them. Um, And I think a lot of that comes back to my pageantry background Mm -hmm. because you're taught that in pageantry, you know, how to, respect the situation, respect the outcome, respect the people that are around you and be grateful for the experience because that's how you're going to learn and grow and get people to know you and know your name. Speaking of pageants, let's go into the National Miss Comedy Queen pageant. Let's do. It's been so long. 2019 in August was the last time we actually held it. However, it's coming up again right around the corner. March 20th. 2nd, 3rd, and 24th will be Nationals here in Orlando. I'm so excited. So the first two days are going to be at uh, Southern Nights. Nights. Yep. And then final night is in the Pew Theater in the Dr. Phillips Performing Arts Center. I'm so excited for the, um, the we'll say, upgrade in, in theater alone. Just the dressing rooms themselves, if you have mm-hmm. not been in them, are incredible. So I'm super excited. It feels like uh, the natural progression of this pageant. Now, you did not start this pageant to become the national juggernaut that it is. You didn't start it thinking that probably it was going to last this long, I assume. At all. But why did you start this pageant in the first place? So you mentioned her earlier, Roseanne DeChanero, who um, has since retired from drag, but she's still around. She lives in Pennsylvania. Um, she was the very first Miss Comic strip, which was held over in Port Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in 1998. And then in 99, she said, April, come enter this pageant. And I did. And I won. Uh, every category, by the way. Um, clean sweep. Exactly. Clean sweep. And it was <laughs> um, just a small little bar pageant, basically, that was comedy based. But then um, it went, it ran for several years. But then they, um, the owner had passed away, and and his uh, his lover reached out to me and Roseanne and said, "Do y'all want to just take this pageant over? Maybe take it to Orlando or something? Because you know we're not gonna we're closing the bar, and we're not gonna be doing it anymore." And we're like, "Absolutely." What bar was it? It was in uh, it was BT's, and then it became Waterside Landing. Okay, so I knew it as Waterside Landing yes. because I'm assuming that's what it had become by the time I was probably, probably. immersed in the culture. Yeah. Well, then we got a call from two other people that had purchased Waterside Landing and they were taking it over and they're like, oh, this pageant is ours. You can't have it. And we were, and Roseanne and I were like, okay, that's fine because we didn't want to start any drama. And we're like, how about we just start our own? So we planned on having the Miss Comedy Queen pageant. The first one was in 2005 at Parliament House, where we both worked. And um, we're like, let's just see how this goes. It might, Maybe it'll be a big flop. Maybe it'll be okay. Let's try it once and see what happens. And we did. And we had seven contestants and people really enjoyed it. So then we're like, okay, let's do it one more year. The next year we had 10 contestants um, and it just kind of kept growing. You know, there were uh, peaks and valleys, but um 
Do you remember, can you name all seven contestants from the first year? I sure can. It was, the, uh, I can go, um, I will not go in the order that they placed, but I will say that Daphne Ferraro won. The mm-hmm. other contestants were Veronica Vixen, Jessica James, Godiva, Addison Taylor, Gidget Galore, and Brianna Lee. That's right. And I know that because I I recently did a rewatch with Gidget of the entire comedy queen pageantry history. Um, And I had to go over to your house in the middle of the quarantine and have you literally like frisbee us the DVDs because we couldn't get closer than six feet. No, but um, we did have shots out in the in the on top of our my car. We had quick little shots of vodka. Because why? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and it was so fun to go back and watch. So we we had the rewatch because you know my husband, um, even though he's now completely immersed in the drag world, um, right. he it took him a while to really learn about it. And I, comedy queen is one of those things that is so special, not to me, but to a, of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted him to really see the evolution of it. Right. So we started from the first pageant up until when Tina Burner won in 2019. Right. And it, he was just so blown away at um, the fact that it's always been very fun and very inclusive and very polished. Cause a lot of people, they think comedy queen and they go, Oh, so it's going to be a bunch of like skag drag as they used to call it. Exactly. Uh, it's not going to be taken very seriously, but you know, our, one of our mottos is it, funny is our business. Exactly. And what we always wanted was it to be considered a serious pageant. Um, and you know, we still want everyone to look very polished and everything, but mm-hmm. it's going to be based on the creativity and the comedy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it took a, a little while to really get that message across, yes. I think. But exactly. now it has, I'm just going to say it because I don't give a damn. I'm not affiliated right. with anybody. I think it has really taken the place of Miss EOY. Right. Which over, you know, the last. So when I first started doing drag, I remember EOY was just so about the creativity, especially with evening gown. And over the last decade or so, it's really become just a run-of-the-mill pretty pageant. Agreed. Which is fine. Which is fine. But What's wrong with that. But but there needs to be an outlet for people who have so much creativity that they need a platform to show that. And I feel like Comedy Queen has really become that. And I think that that's why, while other pageants are continuing to decline a little bit, right? Comedy Queen keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes. In fact, I. What's really exciting for me, you know, it used to be always kind of considered a Florida pageant, even though it never was. It's just that's how it, the contestants that we're entering. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like our last three winners have all been from out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exciting. There are prelims in other cities that I have not attended the prelim. So I have not met these girls and I can't wait to not only meet them, but see what they bring. Uh, you know, I talk to them on Facebook, but it's very different when you actually get to meet them and see what they have to offer to the table. So I'm just super excited. And it's also the hardest pageant I think to prepare for because comedy is so subjective, exactly. whatever plays and, and especially now that it has become a, a true national pageant where we have people from all over the country coming in. Yes. Comedy is regional. Sometimes. So sometimes what plays in Skokie, Illinois is not going to play the same in Orlando, Florida. 
correct. And you also have some younger judges and some older judges. So mm -hmm. you, get, you get a wide variety. You have to, it's a, it's a fine, uh, fine tuned art that you really have to kind of figure out. It takes a lot of creativity and a little bit of luck. It's, um, it's mm -hmm. not, it's, it's definitely not an easy pageant to win because not only do you have to be pageant correct, you also have to be funny uh, that appeals to a wide variety of people as well as have the creativity behind you as well. So mm -hmm. it, it is a lot of factors. It is. And I, I will also say it is the only contest that I ever lost and had not one single bad feeling about. You know, I always try to be a good sport when I lose things. And yes. believe me, I lose more than I win. We, we obviously, everybody's seen that. Um, but it was... Usually when you, you don't win a pageant or anything like that, you have that moment of, oh, oh well, damn, I really thought I was going to win or that hurts my feelings or what else could I have done? And then you kind of get sad and mope around for a little bit. But I remember when I lost, I got first runner up to tweak mm -hmm. a weed, yep. rest your soul. Yeah. And I never had an, a moment of, oh, my very first thought was, that was fun. Okay, what am I doing next year? Right. And then I made myself the promise I wasn't going to go back until I figured it out for myself. And, and so it took me four years to go back and then I won. You figured it out and you won for sure. And and, and I thought that the um, solution to it was going to be to get this big team around me and throw a lot of money at the problems, money that I didn't have. But that seemed to be the the key to success with like a Miss Continental or an EOI or a Miss right. Gay of A, where you surround yourself with a huge team and you just raise money and you try to throw it at the problems. That is not how you win Comedy Queen because it all comes from here it and it all comes, comes from here. Mm -hmm. And I think I spent and she's pointing to two hundred dollars in her heart, <laughs> my head and my heart. Yeah. <laughs> You, uh, but I think I spent maybe $200 yes. the year that I won. Exactly. And, and I won when it was a local pageant. And by the time I gave up the next year, uh, it had turned officially into a national pageant. Exactly. We had a good reign. You had a good reign. I, I guess it was both of us. We had a good yeah. reign. Well, and, and I don't say that to be like, so look what Ginger Minch can do for you, Drag Race. Now <laughs> No, but there was a lot of preliminaries added. And I can remember one of the funnest times for that whole year for me is you and I in my teeny tiny little car driving up to Jacksonville. To mm -hmm. a, um, it was a uh, fundraiser for two of the Jacksonville contestants to come and compete. And we're mm -hmm. like, let's go. And we had such a good time. But also that shows a little something about Comedy Queen. It's very um, family oriented. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because all you have to do is enter one year and you're already part of the family. Now, yep. granted, you everybody wants to get that crown and get that title. However, sometimes just being included is um, maybe even just as good. You know what I mean? and it, it is just as good. And the thing about Comedy Queen is we do so many fundraisers throughout the year to raise money um, for uh, the Barber Fund, mm -hmm. which is a local cancer charity that was was named in honor of Tweeka Weed, who passed away. And we have fun doing these shows, but it's also open to anyone who's ever been a contestant, 
of Comedy Queen. It's not just if you've won or not. It's it's it is an extended family. Now I will tell you, I did not want to win the pageant for the crown. I did not want to win the pageant for the money. I wanted to win the pageant so that I could go to the famed Comedy Queen family dinners and luncheons. Yeah. Because that's really what it's about. I have never seen a tighter, closer sisterhood than the Miss Comedy Queen it's, pageant. It's been a, such a wonderful blessing for me. And it's and it's such a big, huge family now. But that's the great thing. Not everybody can come to every single event, but that's okay. Because there's always going to be another one. You know? Well, and I, I also know from experience, not having been able to be at Comedy Queen for a few years in a row because right. I was filming season seven and then filming All Stars 2 the yep. very next year, I was still included because I turned on my phone as soon as I got it back and every single one of our sisters was there with messages and videos and updates. Exactly. I knew more about what happened at the Comedy Queen pageant than I did about what happened in the real world. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's what's important. Let's be honest. It is what's important. <laughs> and it, it also just shows the fact that like, we we are such a close-knit group. Nobody ever feels left out. There's not a bad egg in the bunch. Right. Exactly. It, we are very, very blessed to have our family. And I think that that's the thing that really draws all these people from around the country to want to be a part of something like that. Exactly. And it's, it's just thrilling. We have our first um, California contestant this year. Do we? Yeah. She actually qualified in Oklahoma, but um, I didn't, I didn't even realize till I started messaging her and stuff. I'm like, we've got California. We've got Puerto Rico represented this year. We've got, Oh goodness. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Ohio, just coming from everywhere, New York City. It's it's very exciting. And if they if people out here want to get a little more acquainted with the Miss Comedy Queen system, maybe uh, watch some of the pageants from years gone by, is there a way that they can do that from home? There is. Well, they can um, visit our website, which is anrtickets.com. That's anrtickets.com. Originally, ANR stood for April and Roseanne, but now it's kind of, Addison and Roberts, you know, it's whatever it is, but we, yeah, we whatever you needed to be stuck with it. Um, but also they are not on our website yet. However, um, Jenna, who has filmed the last few years is giving is basically, we're going to just post the previous year's, um, pageant. So without, okay. without charge, so they can just go on and watch it. It is not available yet. However, if anybody would like to send me a personal message, I can send you a link. Yeah, and please go ahead and do that. Where can everybody who is listening find you online? Um, uh, if we're on the Facebook, it's going to be... I have an April Fresh fan page, which you can message me at, or Locke Robertson, even though I'm maxed out on friends, you can still message me. That's L-O-C-R-O-B-E-R-T-S-O-N. And on the Instagram and the TikTok, I am the.april.fresh. Well, that's fun. And as always, you can find me across all social media platforms. Just go to gingerminge.com and look for my link tree. And I'll make sure that I post as much as I can about where to find all of these different things that we're talking about today. Um, So we actually, you know, we've been friends for years and our paths have always, sometimes they've intersected, but they've usually just run parallel to each other. But earlier this month, we got to fulfill a dream of mine and we got to do an actual play together. 
you joined us as our super special guest star for Gilligan's Island Live as Mrs. Howell. How was that for you? I loved every second of it. Me too. Like, now I want to do more things like that. Um, I knew I knew everybody in the cast going into it, and I knew it was going to go well because I've seen so many of your other productions. Um, and I, it was just couldn't have been better. I thought I was going to be nervous. I really wasn't. I felt so comfortable. Um, and I will have to give a special shout out to Divine Grace because she got she was Mister Howell. Again, here we go with me calling her a she. <laughs> she was Mr. Howell. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and she and I did a Zoom call once and just kind of went over our lines and just the the cues that we did back and forth just made me so comfortable and it was just so much fun and I I can't wait to do it again. Well, now that you're part of the family, you're not going to get out of it. So. That's perfect. I, I we will always find something for you to do. And, and I think that... Um, that if for those of you who may not have listened, our last three episodes have been with TV Land Live actresses. We had Gidget Galore, we had Mr. Miss Adrian, and of course Divine Grace was this past episode. So make sure you go back and, and give those a listen for a little more insight into our process and what we do. But we have also um, kind of in the vein of Comedy Queen, and maybe because of what Comedy Queen instilled in all of us that that, that do TV Land Live. We try to be as welcoming and opening and and, and, um, pleasant and professional to everyone as we can be, because when you're a part of our group, you really do become a part of our family. Mm -hmm. And we want everybody to feel so confident and comfortable. And my favorite part of Gilligan's Island Live became our catchphrase for the entire show. (laughs) Opening night, um, Mr. Howell said the wrong cue, like maybe just mixed up a couple words yes. in the cue. You you tell it from your side. He said, Mr. Howell said something like, oh, we've got to do something, something, something with, uh, oh, and those bastards. And there was this half a second where I'm like, I don't have a line here, but I know the professor's about to interject. So let me just throw this out there. And I just said, fuck those bastards. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, Oops, no, they all laughed. Okay. I guess Including me, I was cackling so hard. And that's what I mean about we want everybody to feel comfortable when they join us because we're throwing things out left and right. That's the fun of coming to a TV Land Live show is not exactly. – no performance is alike. Every single performance exactly. is its own beast. I went up to you at intermission and you were like, uh, should I not say that? I said, say it more and say it louder. Exactly. It was so funny and – that just goes to show how wonderful you are, especially like just thinking quick on your feet. Uh, around town in Orlando, where can people find you? At the moment, on Mondays, you can catch me at District Dive, where I'm your retro trivia hostess, starting at 9.30. Every Tuesday, I am at Secrets Hideaway in Kissimmee um, for a show at 10.30. That's a, just look up Secrets in Kissimmee, <laughs> and you'll, it'll all make sense. Um, and then I have April Fresh's comedy brunch once a month. I'm with Ham- Trixie Deluxe at Hamburger Mary's once a month. I'm at Estefan's Kitchen once a month. Plus, I kind of pick up drag gigs here and there and everywhere. So it's it's kind of a full schedule now. I, I'm actually, at the moment, not even bartending. It's 100% drag. And I, whoever thought that would happen, but I love it. And I'm doing well at it. So 
You really are, and you really hit your stride during quarantine. I, I did. I mean, you, you've been well known and successful for years in the community, but there was uh, something about when quarantine hit. It was a panic for every queen out there going, well, this yeah. is my full source of income. What am I going to do? And you really saw the ones who know how to host and know how to connect no matter what mm-hmm. really succeed. Right. And you were one of those people. You were just popping out shows left and right. And I feel like that's when you really, really hit your stride. I feel the same because I was like, okay, there's no jobs. There's no works. So what do I do? I'm like, because I still have, fans mm-hmm. let me just I, I don't want to just sit at the house and watch tv how many i'm already watching breaking bad for the third time in a row I mean, <laughs> let's, let's just do something different and let's keep things fresh um and so let's just start doing online shows and i would sometimes do them five or six times a week and i loved it mm-hmm. uh, and people across the country um and canada said oh thank you for doing this and uh you know and then i never knew prior to um, pandemic. I didn't know what a Zoom call was. I didn't. Know I don't think any of us did, honestly. Or Venmo or Cash App or any of those things. And you know, you just kind of have to figure it out. And then when you do, it's kind of like, oh, well, I guess we could just keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And now you still do uh, 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 like see. a trivia show, right? Yes, every Monday. So I go to Eighties in the Sand and Eighties Cruise every year. So I have lots of Eighties um, music fans from all over and they like to tune in. So I'm like, well, they have been supporting me this entire pandemic. Let's just keep this going. And so like tonight um, at eight o'clock, I will be on my Facebook doing a little round of trivia. And then I pop over to Instagram um, and do a little drag show. And then I head to district dive. So it's all, (laughs) I mean, I'm already getting, painted why not do multiple things i'm sure you exactly that because when oh i try i try to shove it all into like one or two days if i'm doing digital stuff exactly uh it just takes so much to get into drag it does and then you can do your cameos and your all your different commercials Mm -hmm. and stuff and exactly so well i have a good excuse now i just had my eyebrows tattooed on oh yeah yeah i just had a microbladed and tattooed and all that so i can't get them wet or anything can't put makeup on them for 10 days and i'm i'm telling you i'm kind of living my fantasy my skin is like thank you so much you mean your skin gets a break oh that's nice i know well our skin it certainly takes a bit our whole bodies are not built to go through what we put them through that is a very true statement (laughs) now i know we have to wrap up here because we've only got a couple minutes left but i wanted to ask you the four questions that we ask everybody who comes on this podcast number one what is your definition of a local queen a local queen so i would this is something that i think of local queens you and i are lake county local queens we are um but I would say Central Florida. I think, I know a lot of people would say a local queen are the queens that are just in the city that work, that don't, haven't had national exposure or anything. And that is true to an extent. But I also think it's where part where you grow up. So, for example, um, you know, especially how Orlando specifically has the type of drag they have had has certainly changed over the years, mm-hmm. but they used to often the jobs, they would import girls from other cities um, to be the work girls that got paid. 
And mm-hmm. so that leaves, you know, not as much for the local queen. It is hard to kind of grow up in a city and make it in that city. So I understand all of that. So I feel like you and I, for example, are both local queen success stories because this is basically where we started and we, we're still here and we're, we're, making it, we're making it work. I think that is one of the most perfect answers I've ever gotten for that because that's it's exactly how I feel. So I feel like it is so much harder when you are from a certain place to get those people who saw you at your worst mm-hmm. appreciate you at your best. Exactly. Because a lot of times it's that it's that whole you only get one chance to make a first impression. True. And you you meet a lot of these people who were in power for years around here that go, oh, no, I'm always going to see you as this or this. Correct. You have no other value to me except for this or this. Mm-hmm. And it feels like you have to work 10 times as hard, maybe even more, to really get them to take notice of the changes you've made and what you've become. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that's that is it's an important answer. So I hope you kids are listening to that. I do too. Uh, my second question: What is the most embarrassing moment you've ever had on stage? It was called. I want to say it was called the Viper Room or something like that in Tampa, St. Pete. It was 2006. I wanted to enter Florida, America. This was okay. The first, which is a prelim to the yeah. National Miss Gay America pageant. Correct. Um, so the, I was entering basically a city title to get to net to get to state. Oh, okay. So this is one of those tiered uh, pyramid scheme pageants. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I, there were two contestants. It was me and Coco Montrese. You already see where this is going. Um, <laughs> now at the time, I was not comfortable at all on the microphone. I hadn't ever really been on it. That came to me later, and that's really when I started getting more successful. But um. It came time for question and answer, and Daphne Ferrara was hosting that category, and she asked me my question, and I grabbed the microphone, and I thank the Lord there is no video of this, because it was just full diarrhea of the mouth. I have no idea what the question was. I have no idea what even came out of my mouth, other than the fact that it was just blah, 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 blah. It might have been the teacher from Charlie Brown. And then I, I went... I handed her the mic and I immediately went straight to the bar and got a shot of Jägermeister and it was just awful. Um, Fortunately, I have uh, gotten a little bit better on the mic, which is a wonderful tool. Um, But boy, that first Q&A in that first pageant ever, not so good. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that, you know, some people are born to talk. Of course, I feel like you and I are two of those people, but you have to still hone a skill. Yes. And I had, at that point I had not honed it. (laughs) I understand that completely. I had plenty of times when I first started doing drag where girls would just hand me the microphone and And it's like a deer in a headlight. It's like, I have so many thoughts in my head of things that might be funny, might be pertinent, might be irrelevant, but I can't even think about them before my mouth opens and I'm just going, exactly. I get it. Um, My third question what is the moment that you are most proud of in drag? Ooh, let's see. That would probably, there's, there's multiple moments, but I would say it happens annually at the Miss Comedy Queen pageant because um, every year when I see the pageant, you know, it's a ball of nerves for me and it's so much work and it's a labor of love for sure. Um, 
and I'm pulled in so many directions. And I, I'm almost can't even be happy for the winner because I'm so upset for all the people that did not win. Um, but I try and usually about two or three days later, I can put that in the, you know, oh, look what happened. That was a great pageant. And if it weren't for me, I would, this would have never happened. And it did bring so much joy to so many people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, that is such a great feeling of accomplishment. And you are always such a blubbering crybaby at the end, oh. no matter no matter what the outcome is. Exactly. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and I think us as formers are that way too, because we're all like, I want to see, if, if there's 20 girls, I have a personal vested interest in 19 of them, <laughs> yes, you know? Exactly. At least. Sometimes all 20. And you sit there and you're like, well, I want this person to win. I want that person to win, da 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 for whatever reasons they may be. And they don't, and it's crushed, even though somebody that you were fully rooting for as well wins. <laughs> exactly. I, I have been able in the past couple of years, I've gotten better about separating everything, even though it still kills me a little in t- inside that, um, you know, first, second, third, and fourth runner up did not win. I'm still, um, I'm like, let me deal with those emotions later. Because right mm-hmm. now I need to focus on the, the winner and the joy of it. My final question for you, my love, is if you had any advice to give to any up-and-coming local queen, what would it be? Okay, so this goes back to kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, I feel like up-and-comers must do their history. They have to learn from the girls of the past in their particular city. They also need to look at some pageantry and figure out a little pageantry history and basically just history of drag in general. Um, Fortunately, there's so many resources available now, um, which is a wonderful thing. Watch Drag Race, but also check out Wikipedia and look at their drag pageant lists and Mm -hmm. look up some of those winners from 1982, you know, and... uh, And Netflix and Hulu, like, they're all great resources too because uh, I think it was Netflix put that old pageant documentary from what the 60s uh the queen yes on there and watching that was mind-blowing to me because i knew the conversations and the moments and on all that kind of stuff that have been passed down from drag generation to drag generation but to see it all together see what the fashion was what the resources were at that point exactly it's mind-blowing and it gives you a greater appreciation of the fact that you can hop on your phone and order a foundation that is exactly your shade yes. and exactly the right consistency. It like it is mind blowing. It is go watch all of these things. Compared to, especially compared to what we were used to growing up. I also would say if you are okay, for example, if you're going to um, send it an audition to drag race, make sure you've done your drag race history. If you're mm-hmm. going to enter a pageant, make sure you know the history of that pageant. Um Know what you're getting into before you just jump in, because it will only make you um, a better contestant in that pageant or, you know, whatever it is. I also feel like piggybacking off of that a little bit, you it's good to try as much as you can. I always say throw everything against the wall, see what sticks. But. I also think that if you find something that you think you might want to pursue, a particular pageant or Drag Race or Dragula or Camp Wanakiki, anything that you feel like is in your alley, 
you need to focus on that and not bounce around from one to the other. Because we used to see this, particularly in national pageantry, where the same contestant would bring the same package to Miss Gay America, Miss Continental, Miss US of A, Miss EOY. And so it gives off the message that you don't care about the system, what it represents, what its history is. You just want to win a crown. Exactly. And I think that that not only makes you look unappealing to the people who promote these systems and all that, it also just, it stretches your art so thin and waters it down that nobody's going to get a real appreciation of what you have to offer. That I would agree with that 100% as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Not that you have to only do one thing, but if, that, if the one thing is your ultimate goal, focus on that. Yes. And if you do want to pop around from pageant to pageant, make sure you're still focusing on what that pageant is instead of taking the same watered down things that you think might appeal to everybody and tailoring them to the ones you're going to. Like, just do your homework. That's it. Um, I I know we are running over time here, but I want to ask you. (laughs) We do enjoy talking and we never get a chance to really just sit and catch up like this. So this is really fun for me. I want to know real quick. Um, I grew up in Lake County. I grew up in Leesburg. You grew up in Tavares. Correct. A few years apart. Yeah. So I know what my experience was mm-hmm. growing up as a gay man in the being non-binary drag queen in such a small place. It's small-minded, small yes. in general. Um, what was that like for you? It was probably, what, I forget how many years apart we are, but I feel like it was a good 10 plus years prior. So I graduated high school at 17 in 1990. Um, And at the time, I went to a Christian school. And, you know, there were the things that I heard that I had a blessing. And I, I still have this to this day. I had been going to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. And basically everybody liked me. They knew me well. But still, around the time I was realizing my sexuality, there were rumors of this and that. And, you know, the 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 F word came about quite a bit. <laughs> um, and it was, I had the principal of the school um, bring me into his office and say, oh, we've heard some things about you. And just so you know, if any of those are come out to be true, you will be asked to leave. And oh, oh no, I, uh, it's not me, as I clutch my pearls. Um, <laughs> so it was just, um, as you know, a different time. It was difficult growing up in Lake County because it was very, um, we, I think we can say the word redneck. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was very, um, a little backwards. Then it, it, I'm assuming it's better today. Uh, just driving through there, it's so much larger. Um, it is larger. It's larger. not better. Gotcha. Not better in the big scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, I've always said it's 45 minutes north of Orlando and 45 years behind it culturally. That's that's a perfect way of describing it. Exactly. And so even though we are, we've progressed 20 years, there's still 20 years behind us. Um, And it's not everybody. It's just the the generality of this backwoods Southern Baptist centric town. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I was, uh, I graduated in 2001, so 11 years later, or, or yeah, 11 years later, I graduated, and it was the same thing. 
even when I was really young, I went to, uh, it's not there anymore. It was the growing tree was my preschool. And they had like the kindergarten program that transitioned you into. So it was a Southern Baptist schooling system. Yes. And even at that very young age, they called my mother in because I had performed for um, show and tell. I did salt and peppers, push it. As you should. <laughs> As I should have, because it was my favorite song. Right. So I performed the entirety of it on my teacher's desk. And they brought in my mother and they said that they felt like I was possessed by the demons, possessed yeah. by the devil. Yeah. Because I was doing these unpure things and I know this music and I da 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 And it was the first time I really saw my mom kind of stand up for me because she said, well, he's just artistic, which... For those of you who don't know, that's just Southern mother slang for okay. homosexual. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, if he's going to do this again, if he does anything like this, he's not going to be allowed to be here in this program. And she said, if you ever do anything like this again, talking to them, yep. you call out my child or make him feel weird or try to stifle him. Not only will you not be here, but you personally will have to deal with me. I love your mother. <laughs> I do. And there have been times in my life where I felt like I wish she would have stepped up a little bit more, but I, I remember very few times like that, not few, that's the wrong thing to say, but there were specific instances where I didn't expect to be on the protected end of things. Right. And right. she really stepped in and, I remember it wasn't long after that. She was encouraging me like, no, go sing this song. Go sing I Like Big Butts by Sir Mix-a-Lot. I don't give a shit. You yeah. do what you want to do and what makes you happy. And you would just see these good old Southern Baptist white ladies and men sitting in the back, clutching their pearls and chewing on their fingernails. Exactly. But not saying shit because they were scared my mama was going to give them a what for. That's awesome. But your mom also put you in the local theaters and stuff as, mm -hmm. and that probably nothing could have been more, more better for your career. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it was because my, my dad was not nearly as supportive as my mother and he felt like we needed to find a way to funnel all of that artistic energy yes. into something else. So my mother was like, okay, well I can take him here. Plus it's free babysitting. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that's how I ended up in theater. I go into that in complete detail in my book, which is coming out later this year. So make sure you just look for that. But very exciting. This isn't about me. This is about you. Oh, it's about, about both of us, and I'm excited us. about your book because I know I have had the best time coming. catching up with you today. Me too. I love you. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you really soon. So you go ahead and you take care, my love, and everybody out there. Remember. Support your local queens because they are your hometown sheroes. We're out. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.